Another public service announcement from Real Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Just Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Jimmy Pop, I'm a dumb white guy. Come on in and have a seat, make yourself the home. I'm not old or new, but middle school. I'm not old or new. Come on in, come on in. Have a seat. Shadow Man, I'm hung like planet Pluto. Hard to see with the naked eye, but if I crashed into Uranus, I would stick it where the sun Kinda like Han Solo, always stroking my own Wookie. Let's go! The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Burn. Oh. Just let it go, man. Just let it go. Ah. Walk away. Yo, yo. As you walk away, say, yo, yo. Yo, yo. That's the way you do it. Hey, good evening and welcome to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio. It's Thursday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord. Oh, Lord. 2009. Thank you, one. Thank you all. Come on in. Have a seat. Make yourself to home. I've missed you so. How wonderful you all look. And endearing and charming. Hanging in the Just Radio chat, uh, chat room. And chow line, <laughs> just the radio chow line at the craft table over at www.justradio.com. Click on chat and join in the fun. Hanging with uh, Louie and Spo and... Although I don't know what happened to uh, Poe. He was there a minute ago and... Foot? Fweet? That's like how the French people say... And the next thing I knew, he was gone. They go, Fweet! Such a show we have planned for you this evening, including 
a playlist, the likes of which it will make your uh, hair stand on end and your pants sing uh, Jeez Louise. And on top of that, we're going to take a look at what's going on in that sick fucking world of yours and a little bit of what's going on in that sick fucking world of mine. Honestly, I got to tell you the God's honest truth. You know what the, like, the big number one issue that's like happening to me in my life right now is the fact that a really close friend of mine who I've known since I was, you know, like 13 years old and recently came back into my life has cut me loose because of my, um, well, I won't say because of anything because I have an opinion on why he cut me loose and I'm sure he has an opinion. On what and why he cut me loose, and if he cares to uh, join in the conversation, I guess he can uh, do that. But he says it's because I'm abusive. Now, am I? Come on, you. It's me. Do you know? It, was I abusive? Just the opposite. I was so loving and so helpful and so kind, and I gave so tirelessly of my time and energy. Um, but. He asked me a loaded question. He asked me about the Obama birth certificate issue. And anyway, I'm going to get into that whole thing. And if he wants to speak up, he's perfectly welcome to. I don't know if he's listening or not, but he has been known to in the past. And maybe, who knows, we can use this venue as a way to clear the air. But, you know, this is, i got to be honest with you, this is not the first time this has happened to me in my life. I've had people cut me loose because of my political beliefs or because of my uh you know maybe and i say this because i'm riddled with guilt because i'm i live in constant guilt uh so maybe it's true or maybe it's just me but maybe it's my way maybe it's my presentation to people that offends people maybe i really am just so offensive and i have a way of speaking that's sort of very um, not, you know, sort of, I don't dance around things. Although I've been trying more and more over the years, past, you know, year and a half or so, since last summer, not this past, but the one before, to try and be more understanding and more calm and put sort of uh, balance and delicacy above my, you know, the importance of my opinion or how much I want to get it out there on the table. Nevertheless... I have no doubt that I there are certain remnants of the old jester in there and that it's hard for me to hide, you know, my opinions and feelings. And quite honestly, I was talking to him as if I thought we were talking about somebody else. Like if you and I, let's say you're hanging out over here at the studio and we're sitting on the couch with the dolly and the bob and watching TV. And let's say we see uh, J-Lo on TV and you make a comment to me about how fat her ass is. Now, is that abusive of Jennifer Lopez? Did we abuse Jennifer Lopez because we're talking between... Or, or is it more of a lesser of the offense of, like, gossiping, maybe, or talking behind one's back? But abusive? Doesn't the person who's the target of your comments have to be in hearing range for it to be considered abusive? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, we'll get your opinion on that. Plus, we'll uh, talk about life, the net, and everything. Time to turn our attention to the headlines. President Barack Obama. What? Oh, yeah, we used to have music for the headlines. Uh, are we doing music for the headlines, Bob? We're not. There goes that. Okay, we'll get that tomorrow.
Sure we will. By the way, now's a great time to uh, pour yourself a glass of wine, or if you're like me and you can't afford the brain cells, fill yourself up a nice uh, fat pipe. I have one of those ash pipes, you know, from the same company that makes the um, corn cob, uh, Missouri Meerschaum. It's like a mini. But if you put the screen in all the way at the bottom, it's just a massive size bowl. You know what I'm talking about. So if you'll excuse me. Oh, yeah. Oh, tastes just like pussy. President Barack Obama charted a dramatic new course, and this is why I always suggest this in front of the news, because the news, you know, it just gets you fucking, um, it gets you upset unless you sort of focus and you try to, you know, balance your, your you know, so you don't get like into a, into a frenzy over the news, especially since I'm saying... President Barack Obama, first three words of the news tonight. Right away, half the people who are listening are grabbing their fucking heart and screaming, Oy vey. And those are just the black ones. President Barack Obama chartered a dramatic new course for the nation today with a bold but contentious budget proposing higher taxes for the wealthy and the first steps toward guaranteed health care for all Americans accompanied by an astonishing $1.75 trillion federal deficit. That would be nearly four times the previous highest in human history. Denouncing what he called the dishonest accounting of recent federal budgets, Obama unveiled his own $3.6 trillion blueprint for next year. And by the way, that's one of the reasons it's four times the size of previous budgets is because it's an honest budget. It includes the war. Up until now, the entire past eight years, Bush just eliminated the war from the budget, saying, oh, yeah, that's now in a different budget. Next. As if, like, there were no dis- there was no discussion about it, and, in fact, there wasn't. So uh, the Constitution requires the president to present Congress with a budget, but not one that makes sense. And he just chose, like he did in so many things, to just ignore custom, tradition, ethics, morality, and just do things in a really deceitful, dishonest way. And I think so far, obviously the jury's still out. The guy's been president for an hour and 45 minutes. But so far, um, I do like the sort of little things that uh, this Obama has been doing, one of which is, this uh, honest budget um, in a year where he's presenting the worst budget uh, in the history of uh, the United States government, um, he's making it even w- much worse, much less palatable to the American people because he's being honest about it because he's including the war. Denouncing what he called dishonest accounting of recent federal budgets, Obama unveiled his own $3.6 trillion blueprint for next year, a bold proposal that would transfer wealth from rich taxpayers to the middle class and the poor. And make no mistake about it, there's this been a tremendous amount of discussion about transfer of wealth and um, socialism. So, strictly speaking, socialism is not transfer of wealth. Communism is pooling of wealth. Um, transfer of wealth is just called taxation. It's what we've been doing um, for the past 239 years, the uh, um, the the government is run 
by taxes that it's raised from the people. And part of the function of the government is or has become the function of the government, I, I wouldn't say is, but has become, um, is the um, assistance, social aid. So taxation has been tra a transfer of wealth for many years. And another thing, recently, um, and I say back in nice, you know, November, uh, October of um, last year of 08, I heard somebody say, you know, when Obama was, you know, caught out with this uh, phrase of transfer of wealth, a lot of Republicans just sort of seized on this and said, oh, he's a commie, he's a socialist, transfer of wealth is not the American way. I mean, which is silly because, in fact, uh, transfer of wealth through taxation has been going on for, you know, hundreds of years. But more importantly, to characterize transfer of wealth as a communist or as a socialist uh, concept is disingenuous. Um, and this one reporter, who I don't recall who it was, made a comment like, why do the Democrats think in terms of transfer of wealth? Why not think in terms of growing the pie? And I tell you, I love that phrase. I remember it distinctly uh, from when Reagan was running. And his, uh, the subsequent, um, economic, um, hell that, um, followed, uh, his time in office, um, where everything was, where all big businesses were, uh, you know, um, all of the regulations were removed from all the businesses and, um, and we had this trickle-down voodoo economics, and Reagan spoke a lot about growing the pie. The truth is, that's a silly thing for the government to say. It's a disingenuous thing, because the government knows better than anybody that you don't just grow the pie. There is a finite number of dollars that either is in your pocket or mine. It's not, uh, we can't just grow the pie. And the government, of course, is the entity that would if they could grow that pie because they're the ones that print the money. So for them to say, hey, why don't we all just uh, get richer instead of transferring the wealth from the rich to the poor. Um, and then they, they say that, but then they sit back and they don't really add more money to the um, economy. So it's a stupid, disingenuous uh, lie that uh, the Republicans have been saying for for decades in my lifetime, for, for 30 or 40 years. Um, and that's not how the poor get richer. The poor get richer, uh, in this country anyway, only one way, and that is if the rich get poorer. There is no growing the pie. Congressional approval without major change is anything but sure. The plan is filled with political landmines, including an initiative to combat global warming that would hit consumers with considerably higher Utility bills. Other proposals would take an entrenched interest, such as uh, uh, take on, I should say, entrenched interests, such as the big farming conglomerates, insurance companies, and drug makers. All these people have been getting away with not paying their fair share of tax. And of course, the the farming industry has this wacky deal with the government, where um, they um, get paid. Sometimes specifically for not growing a certain crop. 
And, you know, why that ever went on is questionable, but why it's still going on is unconscionable. And we know now uh, that, you know, the the press has called them out on this. A lot of these uh, people who are being paid not to farm are not farmers. They're people who bought the property specifically because the property comes with a federal uh, grant to not plant. So it's just completely ridiculous. People are buying properties and saying, you know, it's $100,000 for this land, but you make the money back in five years because the government, for some inexplicable reason, gives anybody who owns this piece of property $50,000 a year or whatever. So he's cutting all that shit out, um, all these um, incentives that the insurance companies and the drug makers get out, out, out. And why do they get them? Because they have so much money that they can hire people who do nothing full time but go and, um, you know, represent their wants in, uh, you know, uh, the Senate and Congress. They're called lobbyists. You and I don't have lobbyists because we can't afford to hire them. Not because we don't deserve them or not because we're not entitled to whatever the fuck these other people are getting, but only because we can't afford to have our um, needs be heard. Obama blamed the expected federal deficit explosion on a deep and destructive recession and recent efforts to battle it, including the Wall Street bailout and the just past $787 billion stimulus plan. By the way, let's talk about this Wall Street bailout. This was passed, of course, um, under um, George Bush, and this was given out uh, without any oversight whatsoever and you didn't see any of these fucking governors standing up in the aisles refusing to take the incentive money then you didn't see anybody posturing then right away the republicans this poor bastard has been in office for 45 minutes and already the republicans are just busting his fucking balls and saying oh well this is capital i mean uh, socialism we're taking over the banks we're socializing the we're governmentalizing uh, uh, the banks, what's the word? You know what I'm talking about. The government's taken over the banks and the fuck. The George Bush just did it six weeks ago. Why was it okay then? Why were none of the Republicans complaining about it then? And by the way, there was no oversight then, at least uh, the way Obama's doing it. You know, he's saying that um, none of this money could be used for you know, ridiculous bonuses that go to CEOs, you know, over half a million dollars, and they're actually bitching about it. They're actually whining about it, that they're limited to half a million dollar uh, bonus caps if they take the federal money. But the same people whining about it now, they were fine when there were, there were no uh, bonus caps when uh, George W. Bush was handing these fucking uh, 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 bailouts like uh, candy six weeks ago. It was okay for them. The $1.75 trillion deficit estimate for this year is $250 billion more than the projected just a few days ago because of proposed new spending for a fresh bailout for the banks and other financial institutes, uh, institutions. As the nation digs out of the most serious economic crisis in decades, Obama said, we will, each and every one of us, have to compromise on certain things we care about, uh, but we simply cannot afford right now. There you go. 
Not everybody's everybody's going to be unhappy. He's saying there's going to be shit cut from that uh, budget on a wholesale basis. So brace yourself, Mary. There's shit in there that you really want that we're taking out. We can't tax and spend our way to prosperity," said House GOP leader John uh, Boner of Ohio. The era of big government is back. And Democrats are asking you to pay for it. The thing that cracks me up is these Republicans say this shit. And you got to wonder, do they really believe anybody's still listening to them? They had eight fucking years to drive this country into the toilet. And now they're after 28 days already. They're standing up in the aisles, pounding their fists and complaining that the new government is doing it all wrong. And where do they think they get? any believability, any credibility whatsoever. Who the fuck is still listening to John Boehner of Ohio? Big government is back. Democrats are asking you to pay for it. What? <laughs> you mean we were doing so well last week? Obama plans to move aggressively toward uh, rebalancing the tax system which is so fucking pathetically broken, it's not even funny. Extending a $400 tax credit for most workers, $800 for couples, while letting expire President George W. Bush's tax cuts for couples making more than $250,000 a year. There's another retarded thing the Republicans love to do, is give tax breaks to the rich. And even when you ask the poor people, why does that make sense? They struggle, they, they squint, they try, they wring their hands, and this is what they come up with. Well, who do you think makes the jobs? The rich people make the jobs. I mean, these poor bastards. Talk about drinking the fucking Kool-Aid. Talking about believing a crock of horse shit. They actually have these poor bastards defending their fucking rich people. Why they should need to get more tax cuts. you got to be joking me. Uh, this would raise the top income tax bracket from 35% to 39.6% for those taxpayers and raise their capital gains racks, uh, a gains rate from 15 to 20%. Um, capital gains is a huge, uh, secret way that uh, big businesses are making money and they have been sliding for years, for years and years, for decades, the capital gains rate was zero. And it was only because of constant exposure by the Democrats that this finally, you know, came out of the closet. Capital gains are gains from investments. And that includes, in the United States, patents and royalties. And like 95% of what the oil companies sell is not oil, but they sell the rights to the land for drilling to get oil. And that income that they make is ro capital gains income, it's royalties for licensing the, the rights. So uh, for years they were paying zero taxes and they were saying it, they were defending it by saying, oh, well, capital gains is like when you make money on stocks and bonds and how is the small-time private investor ever going to make any money if we tax him for investing in the small business? Like, what? Because for the small investor, the difference was like $10, $12. But for these fucking trillionaires, the difference was millions and millions of dollars. Another fucking bullshit, disingenuous lie that these people um, have been telling you in order to get you to go along with the idea that the rich should get more shit. Thursday's 134-page budget submission, a non-binding recommendation to Congress says, 
The plan will close the deficit in more than uh, uh, in a more reasonable, but still eye-popping, five hundred and thirty-three billion dollars after five years. That would still be higher than last year's record four hundred and fifty-five billion dollar deficit, and the national debt would be more than double by the end of the uh, upcoming decade, raising worries that so much federal borrowing could drive up interest rates and erode the value of the dollar. Of course, we maybe now is not the time to get, you know, to 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 get into it, but of course the whole system is fucked and the truth is we're all slaves destined to work to our dying day in a system that we can never catch up to. The federal banking system um is not a government entity. It's an independent for-profit bank that has this quasi-government support and for some reason we have given them the sole and exclusive license to uh, issue currency for this country and they do it at interest. So every nickel that they provide the economy, they charge us a nickel and a penny. So the only way to pay it back is with the same money that we're borrowing with so we have to borrow more at interest to pay it back. So a debt that can never be paid back, technically, is slavery. It's serfdom. And that's the system that we have. And that was formed 150 years ago by the federal banking system. Of course, the chairman who sat on the uh, board of the Fed at the time was none other than Preston Bush. George Sr. Bush's great-grandfather, George W. Bush's great-grandfather. So these people have had us by the fucking short hairs for hundreds of years. The fix is in. Hey, hanging in the Jest Radio chat room with Louis Texas Frank S. Poe. Why not stop by and say hi? You can see S. Poe's webcam. He's got a web thing going there. Also, uh, more of what makes uh, Jester Radio great. I don't know what it is that makes me love you so. I only know I never want to let you go. Please don't fuck with that dial. Dusty starts. Leave it right where it is.
Dusty Springfield on Jest Radio. It doesn't matter where you go or what you do. I want to spend each moment of the day with you. Look what's happened from just one kiss. I never knew that I could be in love like this. It's crazy, but it's true. I only want to be with you. <laughs> the fuck is that? Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jest Radio this Thursday, February the 26th. The year of our Lord, 2009. Stirring up more shit, President Barack Obama told lawmakers today that he plans to withdraw most American troops from Iraq by August of 2010, but leave tens of thousands behind to advise Iraqi forces and protect U.S. interests. According to congressional officials, Obama is expected to announce a new strategy tomorrow during a trip to the Marine Corps base at Camp Lejeune. In North Carolina, in a closed-door meeting with Republican and Democrat leaders, Obama and his top advisors estimated that 35 to 50,000 troops would remain in Iraq after the bulk of the troops are withdrawn. This is what uh, an American-style uh, withdrawal is that we always withdraw, but we leave behind a large contingency. Obama campaign, it's what's called keeping your finger in the pie, keeping your thumb in the pudding. That's what they call it there. Obama campaigned on ending the Iraq war and pledged to do so in 16 months. The withdrawal timetable he's expected to approve stretches over 19 months. We still have people in Vietnam, I think, actually. Don't we? Oh, no, we got out of there. Stretches over 19 months from his inauguration. Well, we certainly have people like in Germany and, and Japan. We got military bases all over. Representative John McHugh, the top Republican of the Armed Services Committee, said that Obama promised him to reconsider the new strategy if violence rises. McHugh said he was worried the situation in Iraq remained fragile, especially as it approaches elections in December. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm all for the fact that uh, I don't want to be heartless. They say that if we pull out immediately that they'll all go apeshit on each other. You know, I'm sort of tending... Sort of tend to think, you know, hey, so what? How's that my fucking problem? But okay, that's a, I'm told, an inhumane approach. And let's say that's true. So we don't pull out all at once. But at some point, we, we should be almost out or almost all out or virtually out. And at that point, doesn't it fucking implode anyway? Because isn't it just that kind of fucking place? And the only way it ever would have held together is if we just stayed there and ran the government from remote control. Uh, and isn't that a, a Republican, you know, thing to do, not a Democrat thing to do? This sort of imperialistic, let's just take over countries in different parts of the world where we want a presence. And, you know, even though it's illegal, yeah, hey, but who's going to stop us? Sort of this thug mentality, this bully mentality that we'll do it, you know, sure. It's not ethically okay to do it. It's not even legal to do it. But who's going to fucking stop us? That's the way America's been acting for the past eight years. So uh, the fact that if we do pull out, they you know instantly converge on each other, uh, you know, like an insect war. I, you know, I, I'm sorry for that. I mean, I don't know what to say. It's been going on for ten thousand years. I don't really feel guilty about it. Uh, should I feel guilty about it having been gone on for 10,000 years before we invaded Iraq? No. Ultimately, uh, Iraq, 
uh, is up to the Iraqis, and uh, if it implodes into a civil war, it's because they're nothing but mass-murdering sick fucks, and their culture and their religion promotes uh, hatred, death, and war, as it has for time immemorial, and that's not our fault. So we need to move on with that. Uh, you know, talk about, you know, thinking too much about ourselves. Um, if these conservatives really uh, thought about it, uh, being there to take care of them, that's not our fucking role. And, you know, let's just be perfectly straight. The, the, the soldiers that are there are not there to keep us free. There was never a threat of Iraq on our freedom. We determined that all of that talk was all completely made up. Ever wonder why sharks get uh, several rows of teeth and people only get uh, just the one? Some geneticists did, and their discovery could spur uh, work to help adults one day grow new teeth when their own wear out. How do you like that? A single gene appears to be in charge, preventing additional tooth formation in species destined for a limited set. When the scientists bred mice that lacked the gene, the rodents developed extra teeth next to the first uh, molars' ba backups, like sharks and other non-mammals grow. University of Ro Rochester scientists reported today, if wondering about shark teeth re seems rather wonky, consider this. Tooth loss from gum disease is a major problem here and abroad, and dentures or dental implants are far from perfect treatments. If scientists knew exactly what triggers a new tooth to grow in the first place, it's possible that they could switch that early-in-life process on again during adulthood to regenerate a new tooth. It's exciting. We've got a clue what to do, said Dr. Song Tao Shi of the University of Southern California School of Dentistry, who said that the Rochester discovery will help his own research into how to grow a new tooth from scratch. Wow. This guy clearly has no life whatsoever. And, yeah, tonight you're mine completely. You give your love, you know, so sweetly. But tomorrow will you still love me? Huh? Huh? Tonight you're mine completely. You give your love. Yeah.
emerald green Your smile is like a breath of spring Your voice is soft like summer rain And I cannot compete with you, Jolene He talks about you in his sleep And there's nothing I can do to keep from crying When he calls your name, Jolene Understand how you could easily take my man, but you don't know what he means to me, Jolene. The well-endowed Dolly Parton on Jester Radio. I'm begging of you, Jolene, please don't take my man. I'm just begging. Uh, before that, we heard from the Shirelles, Will You Still Love Me? Tomorrow, tonight, with words uncertain, you'll say, I'm the only one. But will my heart be broken when the night meets the morning sun? A uh, Carol King song performed there by the Shirelles. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Thursday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2009, on Los Bitches night, in case you haven't guessed, before featuring the uh, sounds of some of the greatest uh, female uh, artists out there over the decades. Joining the final exit network costs 50 bucks, and the privileges of membership include this. When you're ready to die, the organization will send you two exit guides to show you how to suffocate yourself using helium tanks and a plastic hood. The Georgia-based organization says it's providing an invaluable and humane service. Authorities, of course, call it a crime. By the way, I don't understand. Why don't they just publish the plans for the exit guides What's with this phony baloney uh, membership fee of 50 bucks? Four members of the Final Exit Network, including its president and its medical director, were arrested today and charged with assisted suicide and the death of 58-year-old John Selmer last June at his home near Atlanta. Investigators said the organization may have been involved in as many as 200 other deaths across the country. That's another thing. If they send out the plans individually by subscription for 50 bucks to each person, then they commit a crime each time. If they just publish the shit once and leave it up to people. I mean, if the theory is 
that people should be allowed to commit suicide because it's your own life to take, then why are they doling out this uh, plan? The law is very clear, and they clearly violated it, said Georgia Bureau of Investigation spokesman John Bankhead. The arrests came after an eight-month investigation in which an undercover agent posing as someone who wanted to commit suicide infiltrated the Final Exit Network, which bases its work on The Final Exit, a best-selling suicide manual by British author Derek Humphrey. Members of The Final Exit Network are instructed to buy two new helium tanks and a hood known as an exit bag, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. In court papers, investigators said that the organization recommends helium because it's undetectable during an autopsy. There you go. Organization was founded in 2004, claims 3,000 members, donors, and volunteers nationwide, how many of whom are no longer with us, I guess is not known. They've long been out in the open in its own website, and its leaders have held news conferences and appeared at speaking engagements. This is just such an incredible thing that we actually live in a world where the government tries to tell us we can't kill ourselves. Let me tell you something. Not that I'm suicidal or not that I want to die, but I fucking reserve the right. I'm sorry. Just like I reserve the right to be a homo anytime I damn well please. Well, I'm reserving this too. I'm reserving suicide. Because, please, you don't really think you're telling me if and when I could fucking kill myself. I mean, I certainly don't listen to you about if and when what I should put in my fucking mouth. I'm certainly not going to listen to why, when I should live or die. Who the fuck? Who the fuck are these people? And, of course, the question begs the answer, and the answer is simple. These are Christians. These are Judeo-Christians who believe that it's arrogant for one, to take his own life, because after all, your own life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your family. It belongs to it's all about sacrifice and owing. Every, the, whole, the whole concept of Christianity is being born with this terrible guilt of uh, your, your ancestors that Adam did. You're born with this guilt and shame on your back. And thankfully for you, Jesus died for your sins, the actual mechanics of which are not known to man, because who are we to know such complex things? Why somebody dying 2,000 years ago uh, alleviates you of that sin is not clear, but hey, who are we to question uh, such a blessing on our heads as to be uh, have those sins uh, apparently bought off by Christ for having died on the crucifix? And we have only but to praise his fucking toenails for our entire lifetime, morning, noon, and night, in exchange. Not a good deal for me. Uh, but it's uh, this sort of very uh, Christian, Judeo-Christian uh, concept uh, that who the fuck are you to take your own life? Life was given to you by God Almighty, and he'll take it when he sees fit, and you'll quake and tremble in his shadow until then. And not think for your fucking self. Take your own life. The nerve. President Felipe Calderon hopes to quell Mexico's rampant drug violence by the end of his term in 2012, 
and is uh, the uh, disputed U.S. fears that Mexico is losing control of its territory. In interviews, there's a country we should invade. They, they're completely out of control. When they go to arrest the drug dealers, the drug dealers have more soldiers than, than the government does. In interviews with Jester Radio today, Calderon and his top prosecutor said the violence that killed 6,290 people last year and more than 1,000 in so far in the first eight weeks of 2009 is a sign that the cartels are under pressure from military and police operations nationwide as well as turf wars among themselves. To say that Mexico is a failed state is absolutely false, Calderon said. I have not lost any part, any single part of Mexican territory. Calderon, a Harvard-educated conservative, said smuggling cannot be eliminated as long as Americans continue to use drugs. There you go. It's all our fault. (laughs) As long as we continue to use the drugs... Then they'll be drug cartels that kill them. How about this? How about as long as they continue to make it against the law, there'll be drug cartels that are killing them. And if they suddenly, the cure, in my opinion, is very simple. You don't have to wait for what's never going to happen, everybody to stop using drugs, to happen, because it's never going to happen. But instead, we can do something that can happen, and that is to legalize drugs. And then... Overnight, all those people would be not breaking the law. And there'd be no reason to go in and try and stop them. And therefore, they'd have no reason to try and stop you from stopping them. Calderon easily switched between English and Spanish in an hour-long interview at the Colonial National Palace, sitting in a chair decorated with Mexico's national symbol, an eagle perched on a cactus, devouring a serpent. Ew. He was relaxed and jovial. Mexico had bristled when the U.S. Joint Forces Command put it on par with Pakistan, saying both were at risk of rapid and sudden collapse. That and other reports had put a global spotlight on Mexico's growing violence and pressured Calderon to change tactics. He said today that wasn't an option. I read elsewhere, um, by the way, uh, earlier today, that uh, lots of uh, American universities are now uh, advising their students not to go to Mexico for spring break. So you know it's serious when the kids can't go there for the free pussy and drugs, unlimited, you know, uh, titty bar and drugs and and cheap, you know, $25 whores. And that chick who does the thing with the ping pong balls and the goat, you know it's serious. Uh, more from uh, Los Bitches evening here on Jest Radio. Uh, I was born in a in the wagon of a traveling show. My mama used to dance for the money they throw. Share on JR. I was born in the wagon of a traveling show. My mama used to dance for the money they throw. Mama would do whatever he could. Reach a little gospel. Sell a couple bottles of Money down. Picked up a bar 
Blisteringly hot. In the dictionary, there's a picture of uh, Shakira right there. She could be one of the uh, three most attractive women in the history of uh, ever of humanity. <laughs> She's like so hot, it's insane. And you know, there's this thing tonight we're featuring. Hey, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. It's Los Bitches Night, and we're featuring the. Um, the uh, some of the finer female vocalists over the years and you know there was this uh, thing I read a poem by Bob Dylan when I was very young about how he 
tried to get into Joan Baez's poetry. They had sort of had this on-again, off-again kind of relationship over the years. And he just could not get into it. He hated her fucking poetry, hated her writing. And I got to tell you, I had a similar kind of uh, thing going at the time um, with the girls that I was going out with as a kid. A lot of them were artsy and songwriting and poetry writing. But I just, their, their shit sucked. And from my perspective, it was like this very sort of chicky, stupid, lame-ass fucking perspective. They just didn't, it just seemed like chicks had nothing going on in, in terms of that shit. And it took me a long time to really sort of understand what that's about, how chicks were sort of like a threat uh, to me and how, you know, allowing myself to see that their feelings, uh, you know, sounded lame to me but were very real to them and just like my feelings were to me. And, um, and I started to enjoy more uh, chick music, especially from the perspective of, imagining if I was the guy that the chick was writing about. So since I couldn't get my head around how they felt as a chick, or I was just still being sort of stubborn about that, at least I could get my head around the idea that imagining if a chick was saying that to me or thinking that about me and with, you know, underneath your clothes, she's basically saying, that's my territory, that's my shit. What's going on underneath your clothes, that belongs to me, and it's my reward at the end of the long, hard day for being such a good girl. I get that what's going on underneath your clothes. And if you're the guy that's the target of that chick saying that to you, if a pig was saying that to you, that would be cool. But for Shakira to be saying that about you, that's just extra cool. Of course, Cher, before that, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves, nothing there redeemable about it. But it's a cool story, interesting, uh, got a little ironical twist, Twilight Zone-type twist at the ending there. And you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio on Los Bitches Night, having some trouble with the Jester Radio chat room, still working out the kinks. Kinky. The Obama administration is reversing an 18-year ban on news coverage of the return of war dead, allowing photographs of flag-covered caskets when families of the fallen troops agree, according to Defense Secretary Robert Gates. Today, my conclusion was, we should not presume to make the decision for families, Gates said, in announcing results of a quick review of a ban that had stood through Republican and Democratic administrations. Remember, back in Vietnam, we used to constantly see these coffins coming off the airplane, and then all of a sudden it just stopped one day. Whenever there were wars, we never saw... You know how this started? The original George Bush put a ban on taking pictures of the coffins under the guise that it was to spare the families of any pain. But he never asked those families if that was okay for them to show the coffin, they just did it. And it was really because they didn't want to remind the American people that there were dead children coming home in boxes. Although details are still being worked out, the new policy will give families a choice of whether to admit the press to ceremonies at Dover Air Force Base in Delaware, the entry point to the United States for the caskets of overseas war dead. President Barack Obama asked for a reexamination of the blanket ban and supports the decision to change it. I don't know if you recall a couple of years ago, a woman who uh, took a picture of uh, coffins um, was thrown in jail. 
photographs, according to the uh, John Ellsworth, who lost a son in Iraq in 04, said photographs of the coffins could be used as anti-war propaganda. Well, you know, the word propaganda technically means it's not true. So if they're pictures of real coffins, then it's not propaganda. It's news. And if it happens to make people think or feel a certain thing, then that's the um, natural effect of the news. So you can't call anything uh, just an honest display of reality, a picture of what's actually happening. You can't just call it propaganda because it makes people disagree with you after having seen it. That's another thing that we've sort of um, uh, developed over the past several years, this concept that it's okay to lie to people because telling them the truth would make them disagree with us. Huh? I don't know if you remember, 22 years ago there was a show on TV called The Tracy Ullman Show, and it was featuring this British chick who was very funny, and very talented, and she did skit uh, skit comedy. And in between the, um, instead of like bumper cards or interstitial, there was this little animation by this brand new animator guy called Matt Greenig. And the TV show, the Tracy Ullman show, came and went in a year or two, but this tiny little interstitial cartoon has lasted ever since 22 years. Fox says it's renewing The Simpsons for another two seasons, which will secure its place as TV's long, longest-running primetime series. Now in its 20th season, The Simpsons already tied record holder Gunsmoke. The Western drama series aired for two decades on CBS before it ended it back in 1975. The Simpsons will pass that mark next season. The two-year, 44-year episode pickup announced today by Fox will bring the total number of episodes of The Simpsons to 493. The animated comedy about Homer and Marge and their kids in the town of Springfield is not only enduring but much honored. It's received a Peabody and 24 Emmy Awards over the years. Huh? I know. I know. 494 episodes of The Simpsons. Isn't that great? And you know, let me tell you something. It's still pretty much as funny as it ever was. A lot of things have come and gone since, but it's still pretty damn funny for my money. Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I was busted flat in Baton Rouge waiting for a train, feeling near as faded as my jeans? Well, luckily, Bobby thumbed a diesel down just before it rained, and... He drove us all the way to New Orleans. Janice on JR. Leave it where it is. Busted flat in Baton Rouge Waiting for a train On us feeling near as faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down Just before it rained And rode us all the way into New Orleans
Kirsten Prophet on Jester Radio. Tell that girl that I said thank you. Tell that girl it's okay. Tell that girl that without all her help, I'd still be with you today. <laughs> Janice, before that, me and Bobby McGee. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Thursday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2009. We're big Kirsten Prophet fans around here. We used to have all her pictures up all over the place. And she sent us, she was kind enough to send us a whole bunch of um, tchotchkes, pictures and shirts and all signed and everything. So we're big fans. Um, and uh, it's Los Bitches Night here on Just Radio, listening to, um, as much as we can stand it, um, the uh, very finest in um, female vocalists. And this evening we've enjoyed um, Kirsten and Janice and Shakira and Cher and Dolly, the Shirelles, uh, perhaps um, a choice among all the girls' groups. We could have just done a show on the girls' groups. Um, and, of course, we started all that with uh, perhaps... Uh, what Elton John called the greatest female vocalist of all time, Dusty Springfield. And we have more to come, uh, including um, Chrissy Hind and um, <clears throat> Ronnie Spector and Carol King and Janice Ian and a few more. Um, if there's one or two that we haven't thought of, by all means, stop by the Jester Radio chat room and let us know or send us an email to requests at JesterRadio.com, or you can just simply stop by the Jester Radio website at www.JesterRadio.com, keeping in mind all the while that there are two R's in that URL. When you arrive, please avail yourself of that PayPal donation button you'll find on the left um, column there. Just give till it hurts. We need this, We need your money so desperately, so very badly, and we're just we're just crumbling here. We're just crumbling away. Staff at the Santa Monica Pier Aquarium in California say the trickster who flooded their offices with seawater was armed, eight armed to be exact. They blame the soaking they discovered yesterday morning in the aquarium's resident two-spotted octopus, a tiny female known for being curious and gregarious with visitors. The octopus apparently tugged on a valve that allowed hundreds of gallons of water to overflow its tank. Aquarium, aquarium spokeswoman Randy Parent says no sea life was harmed by the flood, but the brand new ecologically designed floors may be damaged by the water. They're ecologically designed, but they're damaged by water. Authorities say, did you know that octopuses were so fucking smart? I didn't know that. Authorities say a man running late for a flight flashed a fake police badge. <laughs> to airline workers and claimed to be an air marshal so that they would let him through the gate. Miami police said a 49-year-old man was booked on a flight to L.A. on Wednesday night, but the gate had already closed and the plane was taking off. After he showed the fake badge and claimed to be an air marshal, employees stopped the plane and let him on board, but real air marshals who were already on the plane... <laughs> recognized his fake badge and kicked him off. Not content with avoiding arrest, police said the man went to an airport bar 
and began loudly complaining about missing his flight. And that's when they arrested him. The man was charged with impersonating a law enforcement officer. I got to tell you, I'm 49 years old. I don't think, and I have the, I have what many have referred to as brass balls. I have done some pretty funny shit in my day. But when I whip out a false badge at an airport, I mean, we're talking homeland security territory there. That's where they just fucking bend you over a metal rod and just do exploratory dipping. So I don't know if I would do that. The 70-year-old wife of an Ohio judge said teens who tried, maybe in my younger years, but certainly not now. The 70-year-old wife of an Ohio judge said that teens who tried to rob her made her so angry that she whacked one of them on the head with a saucepan. Eleanor Bazinski, 70-year-old wife of a judge, she said she was on the phone with her husband Yesterday, when four boys pushed their way into her home in El Raya, west of Cleveland, Ohio, Lorraine County Judge David Brzezinski overheard the scuffle, raced home, while his wife grabbed her favorite pan. And it's not just a pan. This is what I love about the press. She grabbed her favorite pan to defend herself against the intruders. Well, it's her favorite now, and it's her favorite if she needed to make... A hollandaise. But she didn't use it for everything. Um, to defend herself against the intruders rifling through her purse in her cabinet. One of the teens told police he threw a bottle of whiskey at Bazinski to distract her so another boy could flee. They ran from the house but were later caught and charged with aggravated burglary. The judge said his wife is upset because the cops took the pan as evidence. They got the pan. So those damn kids, they got their way anyway. They deprived her of her pan. Damn kids. You imagine these kids coming in and rifling shit around, and they figure what she's going to do. She's a 70-year-old. You know, she'll just cower in the corner while they take all her shit. And she just whipped out her favorite pan. Authorities arrested a man who claimed he was justified in stealing candy at a truck stop because he served in the military. In case a lot of people don't realize, it's free candy for life if you if you serve in the military, apparently. Police said an officer confronted a 31-year-old man at the truck stop early. Uh, Monday morning, the officer reported finding uh, what looks like several packages of candy and nuts, plus two T-shirts and a 20-ounce bottle of beer. <laughs> In his pocket, he said he had paid for the items, but the clerk denied ringing up any purchases for him. A reporter started, stated that while in the patrol vehicle, the man screamed out the window that he served in the military over in Iraq and he could steal all the fucking M&Ms he wanted. His veteran status could not immediately be verified, but uh, he was uh, charged with retail theft and was being held on $5,000 bail. Apparently... A lot of people don't realize that one of the side benefits used to be the GI Bill. Not so much anymore. Used to be like the best health care. Again, you know, not the best. But you can get all the eminent. And by the way, that's peanut or plain. Your choice. One pill makes you taller and one pill makes you small. And the one that mother gives you, they don't do shit. Gray Slick on JR. Don't touch that dial. 
There goes all the stemware. Benny Ripperton on Just Radio singing C, two octaves above middle C. Much to the detriment of all of the uh, glasses in the studio. You know, there's a line in that song. I just have to stop and say, we were talking earlier about how it's to guys, especially to guys who write, chick music is only tolerable in when you sort of look at it from the perspective of the chick singing about you. So it's a little, it's not as threatening. Um, but there's a line in this song where the chick says, where Minnie Ripperton says, every time that we, ooh, she can't even say the word. It means every time we have sex, but instead she like does like a shudder. It's like she almost has like a little orgasm thinking about it. Every time that we, I'm more in love with you. And, you know, I got to tell you, I think back to a time in the 70s before AIDS when sex was really like that. It was uh, chicks um, got more into you as this. It wasn't all about like pregnancy and religion and marriage and show me the fucking if you want the if you want the thing, then you put the (laughs) give it the ring or it was not about that, man. It was just about completely um, being into sex for chicks and I got to tell you, man, that seems to be completely gone. Uh, not just in my life, but in the culture. You just don't see a lot of uh, chicks being, you know, sort of looking at sex as being the focus of what they want. It's really all just about getting with what they want. Which is too bad because for me, that was the hottest thing about a chick was the fact that she was really into sex. A chick who was really into sex, there was like no, I mean, forget Viagra, there was no heavier turn on than a chick who really was like so into, you know, just like could barely get the door closed. And I remember coming back from a bar with uh, um, my girlfriend, uh, uh, Betsy Johns, the one who who told me that she could never marry me as long as her, never marry a Jew as long as her grandfather was alive. And we had sex on the, we sort of almost made it to the bedroom, but we ended up in the little hallway between the living room and, and we were just laying out on the floor after this, you know, protracted, uh, session. And she said, turned to me and she said, you know, man, I really love our sex life. And I thought, damn, man, how hot is that? A chick who really is into sex. Meanwhile, Baby Giraffe, and you just don't hear that anymore, do you? Minnie Ripperton on uh, Just Radio, who've been listening to the ravings of a clown this uh, Thursday, February the 26th, the year of our Lord, 2009. Goes out to the Poe, by the way. Uh, Laura Nero, uh, Nero, Eli's coming. uh, And uh, Jefferson Airplane featuring the vocals of Grace... Slick, who babysat apparently um, uh, another chick I used to know when I was a kid, uh, Cyana Dipner. So Cyana's uh, babysitter. Uh, you're listening to All Chick Night, or as we like to call it, Los Bitches, here on Jest Radio. A baby giraffe born in Massachusetts is being nursed with cow's milk. By the way, they, we have the chat room open, but it's like, remember the cone of silence? In 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 uh, 
and get smart it was like never working and and like you know max would always say no chief i think we need anybody you know like max it's not working you know this week they were no i insist and it was whatever it was every week for some reason the cone of silence wasn't working but in a different funny way so that's what we have with the chat room it's it's the it's it's people are chatting but not everything is working right. So we're working on that. Bob, the engineer, is furiously um, not specifically working on it at this minute, but he's sleeping hard, and that's where he does his best work, where he comes up with ideas through protracted eating and sleeping. A baby giraffe born in Massachusetts is being nursed with cow's milk after its mother couldn't produce milk of her own veterinarians caring for Molly said today that the three-day-old female calf was in stable condition at the Hospital for Large Animals. <laughs> That's what it's called, the Hospital for Large. By the way, have you ever seen a giraffe being born? It is the most fucking amazing thing. The thing actually falls out of its mother's vagina like 10 feet to the ground. It falls 10 feet. And like it like shakes its head, like shakes it off. What the, what the fuck? And stands up and starts like staggering around like it's drunk. It is just about the most awesome thing to see. Doctors were concerned that the baby giraffe who stands five feet tall and weighs 86 pounds would not receive vital antibodies from her mother's colostrum or first milk. And the animal was provided instead with cow colostrum, which is often substituted for large animals that don't receive milk from their mothers. Dr. Daniela Benedici says Molly's doing very well although she's still at risk for uh infection so let's all keep our fingers crossed and uh, think uh, good thoughts uh for molly an indianapolis couple beat the odds when they claimed their second fifty thousand dollar lucky five who's your lottery prize not so amazing when you think about the fact that they probably like buy like 400 of these fucking things a day some people are just addicted to these things Eleanor and John Phillips of Indianapolis claimed the prize today, less than five years after Eleanor Phillips won $50,000 on the same game back in 2004. And by the way, there is a concept known to all mathematicians known as the cluster effect, that you would think that random events would be evenly distributed throughout the graph. But in fact, we often see um, clusters of seemingly random events, and that's because... Random times random has a pattern all of its own. Eleanor Phillips said her heart fluttered when she heard the numbers for the February 24th evening draw. Phillips said she and her husband play Lucky Five every evening regularly. The retirees plan to use their winnings to pay uh, down their mortgage. They say they'll continue to play. The Lucky Five game offers two shots at the $50,000 prize for a buck. And uh, Tan Nguyen of Newcastle and Oliver Matthews of Columbus hold the record for the most lucky five wins with four of them each. Four wins each. So you can imagine they're playing a lot of fucking lottery to win four times each. Bet you can't steal just one. Three teenage boys from Central New Jersey. I, I, I paused a second to allow that joke to sink in. Three teenage boys from Central New Jersey have been charged with breaking into an apartment and stealing $7,000 worth of jewelry, then hiding the loot in an empty Cheetos bag. The bag was later found inside a swing set 
at a local park in Freehold, New Jersey. The boys ages 15 and 16 have been charged with attempted burglary, burglary, and trespassing. Police recovered most of the stolen jewelry. It had apparently, for some reason, all turned orange. Police said the boys unsuccessfully tried to break into one unit at a condominium complex. They burglarized the second, took the jewelry while the resident was at church. Ooh, low. That's a low blow. They were at church. That's, you just don't, that's where it's really wrong. Stealing, not so much, but the fact that they were praying and praising Jesus, it's just, and you know, Virgil Cain is my name, and I drove on the Danville train till Stoneman's Cavalry came and tore up the tracks again. It was the winter of 65. I remember we were hungry, uh, but barely alive. I took the train to Richmond. That fell. It was a time I remember oh so well. Furthering Los Bitches, night on Jest Radio, Joni on JR. Leave it where it is. Virgil Kane is my name, and I drove on the Danville train. Till so much cavalry came and tore up the tracks again. In the winter of 65, we were hungry, just barely I took the train to Richmond that fell It was a time I remember oh so There goes the Robert E. Lee Now I don't mind I'm chopping wood And I don't care If the money's no good Just take what you need And leave the rest But they should never Have taken the very best Tonight They drove Dixie down And all the bells were
Oh my God, I tell you, I almost just fucking faded away there. Carol King on Just Radio, man. I don't know if you're like me. You know, there's just some things. They say that for humans, it's the sense of smell that, um, you know, has the strongest um, memory sense. But for me, it's music. It's not even the sound. It's the sequence. Because when I hear that fucking fuzzy guitar, that delicious guitar solo, and then right after that uh, alto sax, that just dreamy, beautiful, mellow alto sax, and then that uh, uh, part with the uh, far with the um, Farfisa keyboard, the electric piano there, the the Rhodes piano, oh. Just that, I, it just, I am instantly transported. Not only am I, like, back in 1970, but I actually feel like the, like the me from 1970. My, my, I become, like, overwhelmed. All my senses 
I feel like I'm really back in 1970. And, you know, and and listening to that song on the radio and s- sitting in my room on my bed. Wow. Carol King, you know, and it's an amazing thing that such a thing is even technologically possible. A few hundred years ago, uh, there was no such thing as recorded music. Now, recorded music has become the hallmark of my life. All the milestones of my life are all in records. So it's just amazing how um, quickly we as humans can adapt to shit like that. Janice and before that, uh, at 17, to those of us who knew the pain of Valentines that never came and those whose names were never called when choosing sides for basketball, it was long ago and far away. The world was younger than today and dreams were all they gave for free to ugly duckling girls like me. We all played the game, and when we dared to cheat ourselves at solitaire, inventing lovers on the phone, repenting other lives unknown, they'd call and say, come dance with me, and murmur vague obscenities. It isn't all it seems. At 17, the incredible uh, Janice Ian, who started her career um, with just uh, incredibly heavy killer lyrics at, uh, you know, the tender age of uh, 15 years old. Um, John Baez started that set the night they drove old Dixie down. You've been listening to Los Bitches night here on Just Radio. Um, Coming to you from a secret location outside your universe, Bob the Engineer has asked me to remind you that if you've missed any portion of this evening's webcast, it'll be recast again at uh, 2 a.m. and then 2 p.m. following all times Eastern. And please, once again, uh, I want to remind you to head over to JustRadio.com. Click on the left there where it says Donate. Show us how you feel. Give, give, and give until it hurts. Because we're just desperate. We're desperate for money. Um, you should see what's going on around here. It's just, it's just sad. Uh, there's just no place. There's no food for the children. I don't know. But, uh, we do appreciate it if you stop by the website and visit. And if you want to give, please do that. We love it when you do. If you don't, but by all means, don't make, you know, I don't want you to feel like you're not you know, welcome. It's not like public TV where if you listen and you don't pay, they keep saying to you, are you still listening and not paying? What kind of piece of shit are you? We don't believe that. A man has pleaded no contest to indecent exposure after police said that he was arrested performing a sex act with a car wash vacuum. The Saginaw News uh, reported in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, that a 29-year-old Jason Leroy Savage entered the plea yesterday in Saginaw County Circuit Court. No contest plea is not an admission of guilt, but it will be treated as one at sentencing come March 25th. Police said Savage was arrested after a resident called officers early on October 16th to report suspicious activity at a car wash. 
in Thomas Township, about 90 miles northwest of Detroit. There's something going on. You better get down here. There's some <laughs> some shit going on down at the car wash. Well, how would you explain, sir? How would you characterize the activity? Well, there's some shit happening down here. You better get down here and check it out. It involves a man and the vacuum. A 23-year-old motorcyclist was jailed after a five-minute chase at speeds reaching over 145 miles an hour on U.S. Highway 77 in Lincoln, Nebraska. On Wednesday evening, the Nebraska State Patrol said a trooper tried to pull the guy over, but he accelerated, hitting 145. The patrol said the motorcyclist pulled off the highway about eight miles, drove into a farmstead. He circled the farmhouse, and then he stopped on the front lawn, and he was arrested without incident. Now he faces charges, including speeding, f- a fight to a flight to avoid arrest, driving under suspension, and willful recklessness. So three out of those five charges are related to him running. And let me tell you, man, I do believe, and I understand. I know it's human nature when the guy when they're after you to run. That is human nature. But when they got you dead to rights. Let me tell you, man, believe me, it really does only make it worse. Take it from someone who knows. That's my advice. I I don't want to get into any detail. That's all I'm saying. Extra special thanks go out to all of those who stopped by the Just Radio chat room to say hi, including including Espo and uh, Louie. And so sorry we couldn't get our shit together with that chat room, but we're going to work on it, aren't we, Bob? Bob? Bob! Bob will get to work on that. And uh, so many more other cool, interesting things, including celebrity interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned to Jest Radio. We're back. We're back in a big way. We're back in a big, furious, uh, big way. Finally, this evening, a sign hangs amid the bottles of vinegar at Newport Avenue Market in Bend, Oregon. It says simply to the point, thanks to the balsamic vinegar thief, this area is now under surveillance. We will get you. The last sentence, it should be noted, is underlined. For about a year, a thief pinched bottle after bottle of balsamic vinegar from the store. And not the low-end stuff either. The thief was uh, after bottles that go for 30 to $40 a pop. Thieves with good taste. That's how the owner, Rudy Dory, explains them. The store figured out what was going on when the order writer noticed he was buying a lot more balsamic vinegar than what the store was actually selling. The market has quite a large balsamic collection, but the thefts were noticeable. So the sign went up a couple of months ago. Workers caught someone who they think... May have been the balsamic bandit. The market didn't press charges, just banned the alleged thief from the store. Dory wouldn't say much about the suspect, just that it was a she. So this woman has been hawking $30 bottles of vinegar from the store, and now it turns out it wasn't even her. And by the way, if you have a secret surveillance camera on something, why do you put up a sign and say, we have a surveillance camera? How do you think you're going to catch the person if they know there's a camera? Dory wouldn't say much other than it's a she, so they're left to speculate. Maybe she needed that last little ingredient for her many dinner parties. Maybe she was selling it 
at some sort of gourmet black market. Whatever it is, Dory said, it really irritates you. We don't know if we got the person or not, he added. The store has been a slowdown in balsamic loss, but it hasn't stopped. For now, the sign stays. Shoplifting, of course, is a problem not limited to the market. Even so, Stephen Esselton, community liaison for the Bend Police Department, says the police don't get many calls from grocery stores, and when they do, it's typically something along the lines of a kid trying to score beer. But balsamic vinegar? Well... Estelin said, they must be a vegetarian. This is the policeman from the town. Oh, they're stealing the vinegar? Well, they're probably what you call the vegetarians. They go through a lot of vinegar. Yeah. That's what the police in town said. Thanks again from the very bottom of my heart for stopping by. It's such a privilege and a pleasure to have you by. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow. Remember, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. It's not about you. It's about me, for gosh sakes. Don't make assumptions. You know you make an ass out of me and you or something. And always do your best. That's the most important thing. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's my solemn oath to you. Until that time, Houston, I'll stand by you. You won't have to worry about that. Good night. See you tomorrow. Oh, why you look so sad? The tears are in your eyes. Come on and come to me now. But don't be ashamed to cry. Let me see you through. Cause I've seen the dark side too